Welcome. You're listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode. This is your host, John Marchalero, and this week my guest is the ninth appearance of Kelly Gumont. Hi, Kelly. Hi, John. I'm excited to be here. For the few people on the planet who don't know who you are, Kelly Gumont <laughs> is a longtime podcaster, contributing editor for the Mac Observer, the glorious host of the Mac Observer's Daily Observations podcast, and a tech support guru. So that's all about Kelly. And as we want to do, we come together occasionally and we talk about our favorite TV shows. And since we just had a Christmas break and holiday break, uh, you and I have been watching a lot of TV. I subscribe to Disney Plus. Yes. And based on everything I heard, I just needed to do that because of all the Disney content that's available. Plus, the star <laughs> performer that we're both excited about. The Mandalorian, which both of us love and we're going to talk about at length. So, Kelly, why don't yeah. you give us an introduction? Okay. Um, so, I'm going to start with um, The Mandalorian is a series that's set in the Star Wars universe. It's a Star Wars TV show. Uh, it's not reminiscent of the films, really. So, if you're like, oh, I don't really, I'm not really into Star Wars movies. Um, first of all, clearly we are not friends. And second but of all, it, but it uses a lot um, of Star Wars legacy technology and Jawas. Yes, it's set in the well. It's set in the Star Wars universe, but it's yeah, not. It's, it happens a Star right Wars after story. Return so, of the Jedi, Episode Six, right? Yes, it's set five years after Return of the Jedi, and. Um, uh, if it looks familiar, I this is like sort of a thing you have to tell people. Um, if the if the Mandalorian that you see looks familiar, uh, it's because Boba Fett, who you might remember from episodes four, five, and six, was a Mandalorian. So uh, we find out a tiny bit more about what being a Mandalorian means, what it's like, and um, it's the story of one of these, one particular one of these people. Um, it's sort of like a it's almost like a religion in at one point he does say weapons are my are part of my religion uh but it's it's part a chosen thing way. it's not i was born in a particular place and therefore i am you know like han solo is a corellian because he was born on corellia this isn't like that this is something that you can choose to be and so we find out a little bit about this one particular mandalorian and his story and what he does who he is and he sort of has an adventure. And uh, one thing that I think it does really well that harkens back to the original episodes four, five, and six is that it's a Western. It's, it's basically a Western. And what I mean by being a Western is that it really is very familiar looking as a Western because somebody took a, an old samurai story, samurai movie story, mm. and adapted it to the Wild West and turned it into a Western. The right individual, so, the lonesome cowboy who, yes. who kicks butt. Yeah. It's played and, by Pedro Pascal, which we don't see much of his face. No. Yeah, we don't. Uh, because but you, he, you may remember can't him. can't take his helmet off. You may remember anyway. him if he sounds familiar from Game of Thrones. Um, he was... I'm not going to remember his name on, on Game of Thrones, but uh, he was killed by the mountain on Game of Thrones. Um, and since the show's been over for months now, I think it's pretty safe to say this because it was a couple seasons ago. Um, he was the one who battled the mountain and got his head squished. And yeah. So the key so, to the story he, he didn't want to wear a helmet. 
And now his next project, he never takes it off. I yeah, thought that this, was interesting. The key to this story so far is, is that he is assigned a mission by the client to either capture or kill a creature who looks a lot like Yoda. A target, not Yoda. yes. We don't know what species Yoda is, no. but it's a baby character that looks like Yoda. And so it's called Baby Yoda. And for those who don't dig into the details, yeah. you may be... Mm, confused that this is the real baby Yoda Yoda that, that lived in episodes four, five, six, and it's right. not. And no. the thing that's, that created a kind of a, a psychic separation for me was is that you've got this bounty hunter who has to be somewhat cold-hearted. Mm-hmm. But when he finds out what the client is going to do with uh, the baby, he rescues it and creates an, uh, an attachment is formed between the two. And yes. he's very soft-spoken, and he's very intellectual, and he's very um, emotional towards this baby that he takes mm-hmm. guardianship of. And I found that to be kind of a disconnect, and I haven't worked out in my mind yet how this character, the Mandalorian, played by Pedro Pascal, uh, reconciles the, his ruthlessness as a, as a bounty hunter and his sensitive feelings towards this baby that he becomes attached to and guards well so, i think i think that part's very it? easy explain um, it to me and okay well first of all we need to put a big fat spoiler horn at the beginning of this for people who haven't seen all of it all the episodes of the first season of the mandalorian are available and uh if we've already told you more than you wish to know you're going to want to skip ahead to the next chapter um here's what I think of it. Uh, first of all, I know John, because you have said you were watching this series that you have eyes and that they work and just look at the baby. How could <laughs> you not? Uh, fall in love? First of all, it's an okay. alien character. It's weapons. Great. Adorable though. I mean, good <laughs> heavens. Anyway. So aside from that, um, I think, I think the thing here is it, the reason he, he saves the kid is because of his own arc his own childhood where he was a foundling that we find out in the, in either the last or the next to last episode. Cause they sort of went together as, mm. as one piece. I'm only on um, episode four. Okay. Well, we find out more about his story. And so it makes a lot more sense when you get to the end. And I feel oh, like okay. I have to be a little, a little more vague than I wanted to be. Um, but by the end of the first season, to me, um, it makes perfect sense why he would want to protect the kid. I think he calls it the kid. Yes. Uh, part of the time. And overall, a thing that I love about The Mandalorian, this whole first season overall, is that um, with the main movies, with episodes one through nine, um, <clears throat> or four through nine, you know, if you're Kelly, um, <laughs> With episodes four through nine, uh, what you get is intergalactic stakes. The fate right. of the universe is 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 what we're fighting for or against or trying to determine Grand in challenges. whatever actions our main characters are doing. Right. And by comparison, this is a small story. This is a story about a bounty hunter and a target and the fate of that target and what happens along the way. Uh, there's no, it's modesty works though. Yes. So it makes it so charming. It doesn't have unwarranted ambitions as a show. And we see dark, weird parts of the galaxy. Uh, we see a retired Ugnaught who's just chilling, 
like on this planet where there's nobody else and really the only reason he ever helps anybody is because he wants them all to leave him alone um he's a delight uh we get his uh blurgs which are these giant weird creatures that the Ugnot cares for and they are they are impractical on every level on a physical level on an aesthetic level on a functioning creature level like everything about them is weird and i think they're fantastic um we get uh, we, get we bump up against some known marks of the star universe. wars universe we get jawas we get tatooine um we get andy grav scooters yes uh speeder bikes we get the speeder bikes mm-hmm. um we see like some things that we recognize we see some stuff that we know obviously like i said the mandalorian himself um uh, we've seen that armor before particularly you know the shape in the helmet um so we've we've got some stuff we know but we also get like a bunch of stuff we don't and to me that's the best part of the mandalorian is that like it doesn't care about the empire or the republic or the new republic or the fall of the old republic or the separatists or the clone wars or any of that stuff like none of it matters none of that's what's happening there's not a single planet killer weapon in any of this um it's the story of a character in this universe and my favorite thing about this i was just talking to somebody about this yesterday um every i think every episode or almost every episode has a character in it that i want like a a one-off story about I want to see the one-off story about the guy who he's supposed to catch in the first episode. Um, the blue fella, you know, that, that, that he shows up looking that the Mandalorian shows up, up looking for some carbonite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and by the way, this is the first episode. This is one of my, one of my favorite moments. Like if you wanted proof that the Mandalorian is ice cold, here it is. I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold. <laughs> like, you're maybe five minutes into the episode when he says this. Holy cow! Like, you know, he has such know. a deadpan voice, and you would think that a, yes. a deadpan voice wouldn't work, that it would lead to boring story uh, development. But it works. It's well, yeah, a mechanical like, voice and not seeing his face. Like, you know, there's very little reaction or anything, you know you don't realize how much you rely on the facial expressions of somebody until Mm -hmm. your main character is wearing a helmet. (laughs) You know, the other thing that's interesting about this series is the wonderful closing credit storyboards. They're magnificent. Reminds me of wild, wild west a little bit. You need to, you need to do two things for Kelly right now. They are as follows. You need to let me download those images as wallpaper for my computer. Oh, yes. And you need to give me video of the end credits as one of the Apple screensavers. As a Disney Plus subscriber, you should just let me choose that my screensaver can be Disney Plus, And it's yes. just the closing credits of The Mandalorian on shuffle. I right, want that I, I will, so badly. I will. Um, when I send out the uh, tweet on this show, I will also <laughs> notify Disney that, that they should listen. Thank you. This is a thing that yes. needs to happen. This needs to happen. I, I have yes. unbounded enthusiasm for this show based on all the things we've talked about. It looks it's, spectacular. It sounds spectacular for people who are I heard interested. I you talking about it for weeks before I signed up for Disney+. Plus. 
Yes. And I and I thought, well, this is just another Star Wars uh, saga. I found out what the yeah. sideline shows are. They're called sagas, as, as opposed yes. to the main Star Wars stories. This is mm-hmm. one of the sidelines, like Rogue One or Han Solo, a story. So yeah. it's called a saga. And- the the thing I like the other thing I like about this is the music. I feel like I I have to put that in here somewhere. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, if you're an Apple Music user, um, every they call they call each unit of the show um a chapter. So which is nice because we've already established that there are episodes in the Star Wars in Star Wars entertainment so it's hard to talk about episode four for example um because to me that means something very different to than to somebody who's only watching the mandalorian so um they're called chapters and every chapter's soundtrack score is available on apple music i'm assuming it's on other services as well and uh it's now my favorite music to put on while i'm working because I like to listen to instrumental music while I'm working, and I like particularly film scores because it's familiar music that I like. Oh, I have to do that, yeah. but it doesn't have lyrics. Um, uh, Apple music, music or Disney, by. Disney's been bad about updating their official Mandalorian playlist, so I just made my own because theirs only goes up to like episode six, and I have all eight episode, all eight chapters uh, in my Apple Music playlist, so that I can just put it on shuffle and just listen, and it's wonderful. Uh, the 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 music like if you had any doubt that you were watching a western the music sort of seals that deal for you you know aside from just a bounty hunter in the desert like if you were still wondering like yeah his gun shoots laser beams and not bullets but aside from that it's basically a western and it's it is such a delightful foray into the star wars universe and i think that's the part of it that i really like and i will point out that i did um because Apple hasn't, or Apple, wrong podcast, Kelly, because Disney hasn't been great about uh, merchandise for the show. Um, there are other people who have made some, and uh, I will make sure that John has a link in the show notes. I wrote up a, a cool stuff found for a t-shirt that I got um, from a, a, a shirt vendor online who makes some some fun Star Wars shirts, and uh, he made one that made me very, very happy. And uh, it's printed in silver. Super great. Uh, I'll make sure, John, that you get a link to that. Um, right. Oh, you're on episode four. So you've seen already. Uh, it's It says best car friends. And it's uh, two Mandalorians high-fiving. Okay. It's great. Okay. Anyway. All it's right. cute. Well, we've spent the Enjoy first half it. of the show on the Mandalorian. Tell you what. <laughs> let's take we a commercial. We could spend the second half very easily, let's, I guarantee no, 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 no. it. Let's take a commercial break, and then we'll come back and talk about some of the other shows we watched over holiday break. Yes. Uh, We'll be back in 60 seconds after this. Hello there, all you fabulous background mode listeners. I'm Charlotte Henry with the Mac Observer, and I just want to say a few words about how you can support all the things we do. If you're thinking about buying something from Apple, Amazon or Macmore, simply go to the Mac Observer's homepage where we have a section called Support TMO. Or you can just enter www.macobserver.com forward slash Apple Store, all one word, and that will take you to our special page for Apple and all our other affiliate partners. If you make a purchase from one of our partners this way, the Mac Observer receives a small compensation for sending business their way. Pretty cool, right? And even better, you don't pay a penny more. This small fee from our affiliates helps us continue to bring you TMO's daily news, reviews, tips, how-tos and podcasts just like this one. So, 
The next time you're thinking about an online purchase, please do come to TMO's homepage and support the Mac Observer. Thanks. Back to you, John. We're back. I'm chatting with Kelly Gumont, and we're talking about our favorite streaming shows that we've discovered over the holidays. I'm late because I wait until the stuff comes about available on streaming. <laughs> I don't uh, have a lot of fun in movie theaters with loud trailers and p- kids kicking the back of my seat and all that. So I'm kind of behind the curve. But I get to the good stuff eventually. And one of the great stuff... You need to hang out in better movie theaters, John. Let me well, just yeah, tell you. <laughs> in my neck of the woods, there aren't any. So I want to talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 2, which rocks. Okay. I haven't I, seen it yet, I, and I want to. I so. bought it on iTunes so that I would have it and be able to watch it whenever I want. It's $35 for like 14 episodes, which is pretty good price. Now, season one, which you've seen, is heavy on interaction with the Klingon Empire, the original Klingon mm-hmm. wars, coming to peace treaty with the Klingons. Lots of Klingon language subtitles. Uh, the, um, the development of uh, Michael Burnham. And her court martial mm-hmm. and her uh, being, I think she went to Starfleet prison for a while. And it was pretty good. But I'm here to tell you that Star Trek Season 2 is a whole different flavor, a whole different animal. Discovery Season 2 rocks. I mean, it just, excuse my French, fracking rocks. <laughs> if you have not seen Star Trek Discovery Season 2, drop everything and watch it. Okay. Uh, my estimation for the actress who plays Michael Burnham goes up and up with every episode. I think you pronounce her name Senequa. I'm not sure. I've never heard it pronounced. But the best cut I've got at her name is Senequa Martin Green. And she's now a commander in season two on the Discovery. And they introduce Captain Christopher Pike played by Anson Mount. You may remember Anson Mount from Hell on Wheels. And ah, he, brings, okay. he brings a new kind of starship captain. More the cerebral type. Um, more the administrator. More of the give me my options, I'll decide. But when I decide, I'm the one who makes the last decision. But uh, he mm-hmm. appeals to the expertise of his, expertise of his team. And he's smooth, okay. and he's respectful, and he's a wholly different kind of starship captain, created in the mold that he envisioned for it, or maybe the directors and producers envisioned. But he plays a kind of starship captain that uh, I think people will find very pleasing, not necessarily the swagger of Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. not necessarily the arrogance and boldness of uh, Jean-Luc Picard in some cases, Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I don't think he, because he becomes the, um, eventually the captain of the Enterprise and he's left behind in time, I don't believe he's going to be around for season three. I think I read something about that and that's got mm-hmm. everybody really annoyed because <laughs> Anson Mount is heck of a good looking starship captain. And the, the story is based on this mystery set of signals that come from space and that the Federation's trying to track down. And also this 
mysterious alien creature called the Red Angel that Spock has a premonition about. And we, we find out in time who the Red Angel is. And actually there becomes two of them. And it has to do with a AI that wants to try to take over the universe, take over the galaxy at least, or maybe even the universe. And it's all about Starfleet's battle with this artificial intelligence agent that gets more and more powerful. And it's one heck of a good tale and storytelling. And it's got brilliant graphics and computer-generated graphics and acting and tension and Star Trek-type, you know, activities and lore. It is just amazing. So that's my recommendation. Drop it. Drop everything because it is the best Star Trek ever. You know, I I will say one thing that I have enjoyed about subsequent series beyond the original series is that it seems to me, uh, and I don't fanatically go back and rewatch a whole lot of Star Trek TV. I, I do watch it, but I don't, I'm not one of those people that like every February I go back and watch all the original series or anything like that. But it seems like when I, like what I have watched and what I've seen, and I've seen like all of it except the second season of Discovery, is that all the captains are very different. Oh, like yes. there's no mistaking a there's no mistaking a Starfleet captain for a Starfleet captain Never. to be sure. Never. But they are all very different styles of captain, and I think that that's a really interesting conversation if you can get people beyond the sort of slavish devotion to their own captain right kirk is my captain picard is my captain well, James is my captain whatever experience with that because i was an air force officer and you have to be careful when you have a beloved leader who's a colonel who's in charge of the uh, group and mm-hmm. he gets you know assi- reassigned and somebody else comes along and he's the new guy it doesn't seem to be the same as the beloved leader you had because he has a different skill set, different personality, different look. And mm-hmm. sometimes that puts people off and they don't give a new captain, whether it's a captain of a ship or of a squadron or of a submarine. Mm-hmm. They don't give that new captain a chance to exercise his particular skills. But the Navy or the Air Force or the Army saw something special in that leader. And they didn't get to that position without the trust of the generals or the admirals above them. But sometimes yeah. it can be a difficult transition changing captains of a ship. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, but it, they're like, all of them are very different. You know, I see huge differences between Kirk and Picard, which were sort of the, the first two we had to compare. Um, we've got Janeway, we've got Cisco, we've got um, uh, Captain Pike now that we get to explore. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in how all, in, in how, because like there's never anybody that says like that person shouldn't be captain. They just maybe sort of don't like that one as well as their own or whatever. But the the qualities in all of them are unmistakably leadership. And I think it's fascinating to see the different kinds of people that end up in charge. Let's on move these on. Starships. You, it's your turn. You pick your favorite now and go on with it. Well, uh, another another series that's been around a long time that has had a number of different sort of main characters that people like to fight about is Doctor Who. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about um, Doctor Who because it's in a bit of an odd place time-wise in that um, the most recent series has uh, just finished up. 
well the, the, and then and now there's a brand new series that is just kicking off so uh they're called series uh with uh english television so um uh, right now, uh, season 11 is the most recent complete season. And people may remember that uh, Doctor Who did Christmas specials where Christmas Day, there would be a special episode of Doctor Who. And it's um, what TV people tend to call a bottle episode. You don't have to know a whole lot about what's happening or where we are in the plot or what what's happening with Doctor Who right now. Uh, you can just watch this episode and enjoy this this particular character with some other characters, and they have sort of a one-off adventure. And uh, this year, what they did, instead of having one on Christmas Day, they had one on New Year's Day. And the next one will be uh, January 5th. And so this is actually the kickoff of Series 12, which is the, the upcoming season. Um, this So that's where we are with the show. Um if you have cable, you can watch it on BBC America and uh, you can watch it online through the BBC America app. Uh, if you're in other countries, you can just watch it through, I think, iPlayer is what it's called, uh, depending on what availability is like where you are. And uh, I have really enjoyed uh, Series 11, uh, which is the new doc. The We recently had a change in doctors. It used to be Peter Capaldi. And then it switched over to Jodie Whittaker and she's the first female doctor. So uh, there's an occasional nod to that when she says things like, uh, it's been a long time since I bought women's clothes, stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of entertaining to watch. And uh, I really enjoyed her, her uh, first season as the doctor uh, for a bunch of reasons. Number one, there were uh, multiple companions that were very different. Um, it wasn't just uh, a young girl from London, which we had a long streak of that. And I felt like it sort of got boring after a while. I didn't always need it to just be some young girl from London that gets to run off with the doctor. So we don't have that now. Um, we have a few different people. They're all interesting in their own way. Each of them is, is sort of a fully formed character on their own. And so you get like four interesting main characters as opposed to just one or maybe two. And uh, and it's been really fun to watch the the New Year special was fun. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't know how many people have seen it yet since it only aired yesterday and uh, it kicks off this new season. So it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm pretty optimistic about it. And uh, and with the with series 11, if you want to watch that previous season um, as series 12 is starting, uh, it you can jump on there and you don't have to have watched even the rest of the new doctor who or have to go back to the uh the 60s and watch all the doctor who that there is available until now uh, you don't have to do any of that if you want to just jump on and watch that first season you can and enjoy it um each is about an hour and they go uh 10 episodes i think is is season one was 10 episodes so uh it's it's a fun show to watch if you enjoy a little bit of sci-fi because they travel through time and space so sometimes they're on a different planet sometimes they're just on earth in a completely different time and uh it's a very fun show okay so we've got uh, just a few minutes left i want to tick down a list of uh, honorable mentions and give my recommendations uh there's a new series uh original series on netflix called virgin river which i highly mm -hmm. recommend it's about a nurse who quits her job in la and moves to a northern California town to work for a country doctor and uh, trying to revise her life. 
and it's very good. Awesome photography. It's 4K. It's awesome music. Uh, for All Mankind, I watched the first episode last night. Did not care for it. Sure, the sets are amazingly accurate, and the historical elements are all there, and it's high-tech. But it's a little bit disappointing and wearying for people who went through the success of the Apollo, Gemini, and Mercury programs and uh, recognized what it took to get there and uh, having an alternate reality that's kind of depressing and emotional. It doesn't really sit right with me, so I'm not a big fan of overall mankind. Uh, Over the break, uh, I saw the Downton Abbey movie. And if you're a Downton Abbey fan, you have to watch the movie. It is awesome. It's great. It's fabulous. It's funny. It's well done. Nothing to complain about. And all your favorite characters are all back. (laughs) Um, Lost in Space, season two, which I enjoy. My wife uh, is kind of neutral about Lost in Space season two, but uh, I've been enjoying it. Now, where can you watch Lost in Space? Lost in Space is a Netflix original series. Okay. And finally, uh, Witcher, which we watched the first episode of uh, the other night, and it's very violent. Awesomely violent, excessively violent, and I don't think I'll be uh, revisiting Witcher with uh, Henry and that's, Calvin. That's also uh, a Netflix original. That's series. a Netflix show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, do you have any honorable mentions you want to tick off and give us recommendations on? I do. Uh, I uh, one that I want to give an honorable mention to is uh, a Disney Plus show called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, and part of that is because. Um, if you have a casual interest in something, uh, this is a good way to find out a little bit more about it. So um, part of this, uh, I'm also a little bit partial to this show because I know a portion of it was filmed here. There's an episode about sneakers. And so they go to the Adidas World Headquarters and that's here in Portland. Uh, the United States Headquarters is here in Portland. And um, also there's an episode about ice cream and they work with uh, the main guy behind Salt and Straw, which is also here. So I know there was a point where Jeff Goldblum was in Portland and quite honestly, probably totally at home. And I doubt anybody even noticed like, oh, my God, it's Jeff Goldblum (laughs) because, you know, whatever crazy outfit he was wearing, like other people were like, cool. And (laughs) that's just kind of how Portland rolls. Um, So I I have enjoyed this show, not necessarily because I came away from it having learned a ton. Uh, but it was just sort of fun. I'm not there uh, for it's the nutritional value. It's not like the normal science shows that get kind of geeky. Right. Yeah, this is very, very lightweight, very fun. Don't mm-hmm. expect to get into the technical details of bicycles or RVs or ice cream. Yeah. Uh, it's a sort of an, uh, it's a lightweight, experiential kind of show. Mm-hmm. Much like ice cream, I did not show up to the world according to Jeff Goldblum for its nutritional value. <laughs> um. It's there to be a fun thing, and it's a fun thing. Yeah, yeah. I learned a little bit more about uh, sneaker people and what goes into making a pair of sneakers, and I thought that was kind of nice. I learned a little bit more about um, how Salt and Straw creates ice cream flavors, which is kind of nice. Like some of that stuff, like it's just sort of casually interesting. So if you're sort of looking for something that that will be kind of fun to watch, but not be super demanding of your attention and isn't going to end up uh, being something really dark or, or really violent or really depressing, you know, good, but not something that, that you walk out of thinking, well, that was the feel good television of the year. Um, this is a good one to watch instead. <laughs> so All right. we're yeah. going to have to call it a wrap. We've, uh, Let's we've do that. done 32 minutes. 
Kelly, thank you for joining me on the show and sharing with me your views on The Mandalorian and Jeff Goldblum and Doctor Who. Always a pleasure. This is the kind of show where now I have homework, but it's like the best kind of homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we try to be uh, accurate with the show details and sometimes we give away spoilers and sometimes we don't remember the names of the actors, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of streaming stuff out there and... Uh, it's a lot of it's very good. So that's why we try to give you some recommendations so you can kind of steer towards the good stuff. Yes. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Thanks, Kelly. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the Mac Observer's Background Mode with John Marchalero and Kelly Guma. We'll see you again next week.